people will not let the festival die. And here's the thing, they own it now. They say, you cannot let our Collard Green Festival die. They say our festival. I know that's right. right. So no matter what, you know, you have to figure out a way to keep it going. So people have embraced it. So we had to figure out a way to, to keep going. I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. What started as an offhand joke has grown into one of St. Petersburg's most beloved events of the year. We're chatting with the co-founders of the Tampa Bay Collard Green Festival. Thank you for eating up the latest episode of The Zest. WUSF Public Media also offers a delicious podcast focused on arts and culture in the Sunshine State. The Arts Access Florida podcast highlights arts and cultural organizations right here in Florida. Learn more about these unique institutions, how you can be a part of upcoming events, and so much more. For a culturally enriching experience, subscribe to the Arts Access Florida podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or visit artsaccessflorida.org. That's arts, A-X-I-S-F-L dot org. Thanks to our founding sponsor, Community Foundation Tampa Bay. Winter is prime growing season here in Florida, and each February, thousands of folks descend upon St. Petersburg to celebrate one crop in particular, collard greens. This year's Tampa Bay Collard Green Festival is set for Saturday, February 19th at the Carter G. Woodson African American Museum in St. Pete. There'll be plant giveaways, kids' activities, a cook-off, of course, and much more. But the significance of the festival goes far beyond the leafy greens. The event attracts thousands of people of all ages and races to the historically Black neighborhood of South St. Pete, making it a celebration of diversity. Heading into the festival's fifth year, I caught up with the event's co-founders, Boiselle Hosey and Samantha Harris. Boiselle starts by explaining how the event came to be and listen to the end to find out the name of this year's headliner. So the idea was hatched in like the spring of 2017. It all started when uh, my wife and I ordered and electric pressure cooker off of TV, off of Home Shopping Network. And I started experimenting, making collard greens in an electric pressure cooker, got the process down to like less than 30 minutes to cook the greens, right? About an hour, you know, top to finish. But, you know, by the time I put my ingredients in and do it, and they were a hit, like right off the bat. Even people were saying that you cannot cook collard greens in an electric pressure cooker. But that's how it all got started. And then Sam and I, we attended church together at Bethel Community Baptist Church in St. Petersburg. And we were sort of running the the youth department. And so as a fundraiser, we started making collard greens at the church to raise funds. So like after every Sunday, the church lobby was smelling like collard greens, but people were going crazy over these collard greens. And one day we went to lunch because we were preparing to... um, raise enough money to take the kids to Columbus, Ohio, on a trip. And um, we were talking about the popularity of the greens. And we said, yeah, maybe we should try to sell these. Uh, Maybe get a, you know, a permit to sell the greens at the MLK Day Parade in St. Petersburg. But that didn't materialize. And then, you know, one of us, I don't know if it was Sam or myself, one of us said, well, let's just start a a collard green festival, jokingly, 
and we, <laughs> and we and we laughed at that that notion like a collard green festival you gotta be kidding me and then we paused and said wait a minute collard green festival you know and then it just kind of took off from there I did not know that was the story. That is wild. <laughs> wow. And it does, honestly, when you mention it to people, it does sound kind of funny at first, like a Chitlin festival or, you know, just, just some food that people maybe eat in their homes, but you don't really see people eating in public a lot. Right. Sam, what was that process like? I can't imagine where I would even begin if I wanted to start any kind of festival. Right. So the first thing we did was Google it, right? Because we knew that there were other festivals. There was French fries, seafood, anything. Uh, there was a rip fest, all kinds of festivals going on. So we Googled it and lo and behold, there were some that were already going on. There was one in Jacksonville. There was one in Arizona. But we, Hosey, his wife, myself and my children, we ventured to the one in Lithonia, Georgia. I think it's called the... Um, Colored Cultural Fest. They do it as a fundraiser for like a African-American school up there in Georgia. So we went up there. We went to kind of walk around and see what they had in mind, what they had going on, because they had been doing it, I want to say, for like eight or nine years already by the time we we saw them. And so we took some notes. We were like, okay, so this would work. This wouldn't work. And and then we came back and we um, got in front of an accountant. Don Collins was his name. He was like, listen, I will help you guys put this together. Only thing I want to do is be a judge and the call it cook off. And we were like, you got it. It's a good (laughs) deal. You got it. But but unfortunately, he actually passed away before the first festival. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was bittersweet, but he got us set up to get this thing going. And it's been it's been a blast ever since. So what did you learn? Because there is a a contest component where people judge. What actually materialized when people go to the festival? What's it like? Paint a picture for people who haven't been. Well, first of all, it's more than just greens, okay? Yes, you come to a collard green festival, at at least ours, you're going to enjoy greens. But what makes us different, what sets us apart is that we actually plan the day. It's It's like an agenda. Like you could look at our schedule and see what's going on throughout the day. We, we talk about urban agriculture, like how to grow your vegetables, how to grow them in different climates, the importance of doing that, especially now. We talk about the nutritional content. We got some fitness in there. We have some family fun. And then what we endeavor to do every year for the culinary experience portion of the festival is that we like to bring someone who's already doing this. We've brought in who? Tony Tipton Martin. She's a food culturalist, historian. Her, I mean, like she's captivating. <laughs> she's like she, she really is. And and I got to speak with her at the festival, which was yes, great. We've brought in um Sally Ann Robinson. Robinson, the Gullah Diva. We brought in Eduardo Jordan. We brought in different African-American chefs, food historians who can actually teach us not only about the history of foods, but how to make them more healthier for our families. Okay, you bring up a good point because all the people you just named are African-Americans in the food world. So Mm -hmm. Boiselle, why was that important? We're three African-Americans having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Why was it important to put us sort of front and center? Quite simply, because we have a story to tell. And when you think about the foods that we love to eat, when you think about the collard greens, it conjures up, you know, stories in all of us. I think that's why people smile when you mention the fact of, hey, we're having a collard green festival, right? So no matter if you're you're Black or white or Latino or whatever, we have that, that common bond because we can talk about 
the experience that the food brings to us. But specifically for us as African-Americans, those vegetables, those green vegetables, especially, and especially the, the collard green, it's the thing that sustained us even throughout, you know, even during slavery. It's the thing that sustained us. We didn't really know the nutritional value. We couldn't break it down then as we know now, you know, but as you know, our people really endured a lot. And so you fast forward and you look at what the collard green offers. It's a very nutritional um, staple food for us. And so it's important that we as African-Americans, you know, get behind that and tell that story and to be able to tell that story from our perspective. Sam, yes, there's a lot of, you know, rich African-American tradition with the collard greens, but when you go to the festival, anybody would feel comfortable there. There are people all races, ages. Why do you think it resonates with the entire Tampa Bay community? Do you know what I found out during these past five years? It doesn't matter what color you are. I promise you almost everyone has a collard green story. <laughs> and that's why it <laughs> resonates. <laughs> I mean, I remember the first year, first year we did this, me and Hosey were walking, we were walking through Walmart looking for stainless steel pots for one of the cooks who were coming in. And it was this white guy who worked at um Walmart. He was like, Yeah, collard greens. Are you are you kidding me? We used to put our collars in a washing machine to wash our collard greens. I mean, <laughs> like it's across the board. Yeah. And, Yeah. And to be honest, that's one of the things that grounds us about this festival. Our biggest supporters are across the board. It really doesn't matter. Young, old, black and white. You know, we had a heart to do it for the African-American community because you know why older women are stroking out um, earlier in life and it's affecting the family on every level. So that was our original intent. But, you know, in a much broader spectrum, everybody enjoys green. So it's a beautiful thing. It really is. And, you know, when I'm cooking, I use certain greens interchangeably, collard greens, kale, etc. And two very similar vegetables have two very different sort of social connotations, which is mm. which is always interesting. <laughs> right. Yes, right. very. Right. Right. I, used to, I, I used to think that, you know, we as Black people owned collard greens. Right. right? And so <laughs> what Sam said, you know, we started sharing the stories like, oh, no. You know, everybody has a story about, about collard greens. And I think that the festival really um, reflects that as well. And we also wanted to do something with a level of excellence as well. We feel that's important for the community to see that we can pull off an event. It can be in our neighborhood and everybody's welcome. You know, we're not really thinking about race during that time, you know. But when you look at the founders and you look at what we're doing, obviously, you know, well, we're trying to do something good for the community. Yeah, it really just puts a smile on your face. It's such a feel-good event in South St. Pete, which is a historically African-American neighborhood. Sam, when you were putting together the first festival, was there any pushback? Because it seems like everybody now embraces the festival, but was it always that way? Oh, no, it wasn't. (laughs) I remember in particular trying to find sponsorship for this type of festival. And across the board, it was like, no, or it was a nice no. It was like, we don't know where this is going, no. And, you know, we'll see what will happen. Funny story. One of those sponsors actually came back around last year and was like, hey, are you all doing a festival this year? This was year four. They were like, are you doing it this year? It was like in the middle of COVID. And so I text Jose. I was like, we're doing a festival, right? He's like, oh, yeah. And and they became (laughs) became a sponsor. Wow. You know, it was a lot of kickback because the idea, you know, it's a funny idea. 
And we accepted that, but we knew what we had in mind and we just kept working and year by year, we got more and more support. Do you have any numbers as far as how many people attend the festival? See, Hosey, what do you think? Well, we estimate that at our peak, we had about 3,000 people come through the festival throughout the day, not at any one given time, you know, but the festival goes all day long. Last year it was shortened, but usually 10 to 4 or 9 to 4, so throughout the day. I would say a couple of thousand, 3,000 people coming through. I mean, the first year was pretty amazing because, I mean, it was our first time, you know, it was just a concept. And I'd say we probably had at least 1,200 people come through that first year. Oh, wow. That's great. And then last year you did sort of a hybrid event, some in person and some online. So that was, it was cool that you kept it going. I don't know how you did that, but. People will not let the festival die. And here's the thing, they own it now. He say, like, you cannot let our Collard Green Festival die. They say our festival. I know that's right? right. So no matter what, you know, you have to figure out a way to keep it going. So people have embraced it. So we had to figure out a way to, to keep going. Oh, our festival. I like yeah. that. Okay, let's talk about this year, our festival. What mm-hmm. is on tap for this year? Well, the biggest thing, let me just go ahead and chime in, is the Collard Cook-Off. We are bringing it back. I'm most excited that are uh, technically, I, I guess we're going to call it our fourth annual collard cook-off because we didn't have one last year, but that's what I'm most excited about. How does the collard cook-off work? My friend Kiva Williams, who who is a yes. blogger, social influencer, the fun foodie mama, she, uh, yeah, she's got this amazing uh, vegan green recipe that I've been making for years that I got from her and her parents. And that did very well at the cook-off. So how does the cook-off work? How can people participate? How can they be a judge? Because who doesn't want that job? Okay, so the collar cook-off entry process is very easy. You just go to our website, tcbgf.org, click the link to enter the contest. It's $50 to enter the contest. The categories are meat or non-meat categories, just to keep it fair, because we understand not everybody eats meat, and that's fine. You basically bring in a standard dish. Everything's detailed online. Um, you bring in a standard pan. Uh, you turn it over to the sponsors for the cook-off. And then who gets to eat? Well, that's a great question. We call it the festival favorite for a reason. That means that if you attend the festival and if you would like to judge the Collard Cook-Off, you are more than welcome to judge the Tampa Bay Collard Green Festival Collard Cook-Off winner for 2022, right? 2022. Yeah. So it's like the people's choice. Is there a prize? I mean, bragging rights are enough of a prize, honestly. We've had prizes every year. I think last year, or the year before last, year before last, it was a five hundred dollar first place prize. You know, and so we we endeavor to to try to do that again this year. We're still working out some of those logistics, but yeah, there definitely is some prize money involved for the top college. That's amazing because when you think about the history and and like you said, you know, people eating greens in the days of slavery, and and I can picture when I'm a little kid, my dad standing over a huge pot of greens. And who would ever thought they would win money, hundreds of dollars, for their collard greens? Do the two of you have a, a favorite memory of collard greens? Well, my memory starts early on in my childhood. I grew up in Pennsylvania, Western PA, and my parents had a summer garden. And so I would pick collard greens. And I remember uh, my parents would always say, after the first frost would hit the collard greens, that's when you want to you know, get them at their best because they turn sweet at that point. Yeah, but for me, that was it. And then my Aunt Selma, who uh, lived in Cleveland, Ohio, whenever we got together for family gatherings, 
she had the reputation for making the best collard greens in the family. She, I, I don't know what she did, but she chopped them up really, really fine. And she put some vinegar in there and they were just like the best collard greens you ever want to have. Oh, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. We have the best greens in the country. Period. <laughs> Period. A, End of story. <laughs> we have to have a Cleveland, uh, St. Petersburg uh, collard green smackdown. A smackdown. Hey. I'm in. I'll, I'll sign up my father right now. Um, Sam, what about you? What's your early memory of collard greens? I love it, man. Um, I have two. I remember being young and my mom, she would bring home these big, bushy green vegetables and she would put them in the sink. And she would wash them with Dawn dishwashing liquid. And I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, what are we doing? (laughs) What are we doing? Is this safe? And so, but you know what I noticed? A lot of the dirt from the greens would fall to the bottom of the sink. When you go to rinse, you're rinsing dirt down the sink. You'd have to rinse forever to get the bubbles out, but it cleaned the greens. So that'd be my first, that'd be my fondest memory. And second, my aunt Pinky, who I'm going to go see this Christmas. Thank you, Jesus. She makes hands down. I've had her greens my entire life. Her greens, I don't know. I've watched her. She's she shown me. I can't give you guys a secret. Sorry. <laughs> but she has the best greens, hands down. <laughs> oh, just make sure you get all the soap out. I've never heard that before. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're recording this in early December for people listening. I know people have their secrets and they can't give away all their secrets, but do you have any just general tips or specific recipes that you would be willing to share? I mean, Boiselle, clearly you have a good recipe if you were selling them at church. I believe I do. I know Sam keeps trying to replicate my recipe, but, you know, we keep going at it. But, uh, you know, I cook them in a pressure cooker. I use olive oil and smoked turkey. Right. And my select seasonings. Now, I don't want to give away my select seasonings because, because it's all objective. You can use whatever you want to use. Um, but that's what I do. And I actually flavor my collard greens through my olive oil. So we make a infused olive oil, like a garlic infused or sriracha infused olive oil. So if I want them spicy, then I'll use the sriracha olive oil to give them that, that kick. So you really don't need the hot sauce on top of it. Mm, that's good. Sam, what about you? Yeah, his greens are decent. Um, so oh, about my okay. greens. <laughs> Shots fired. My greens, um, because, because I make the best after my auntie Pinky. I would just suggest, you know, what if someone doesn't really feel like boiling their meat products or anything like that? I suggest you can do like two tablespoons of chicken bouillon or vegetable bouillon. To his credit, I will say, I have not cooked greens on the stove for the past five years, thanks to Boiselle and Andrita. I refuse because it takes too long. I don't know if we mentioned this, but you can have a great pot of greens in less than 40 minutes. They're done and they taste like all day. So that's my tip. Chicken bouillon or vegetable uh, bouillon in your in your greens. That's a good tip. Boyan is is a good seasoning just across the board. Now, what about some other creative ways? Because if people are growing them in their garden, maybe they have more than they know what to do with. You know, what are some other creative ways we could incorporate collard greens into our diet? Well, I think people think I'm kind of collard green nuts now because I'm always trying to think of new things to do with it. Because one thing that uh, you can do with collard greens is that they keep well in the refrigerator. You know, and actually it tastes better the next day after the seasoning goes through it. But um, we use them in our omelets a lot. I like to chop them up and stuff things with them. So I like the uh, the stuffed peppers, the sweet peppers. 
I'll cut off the top and maybe stick some collard greens in there and put them in the air fryer and do something like that. I mean, they're just made that you can just experiment and do just a lot of different things with them. Yeah. Oh, and the collard green smoothie, right, Sam? Absolutely. Collard green green smoothie. Collard green egg rolls. I mean, the sky's the limit. Yeah, they are big enough that you could treat it like a wrap, Mm -hmm. like a sandwich wrap. I've also used it for salads, massage it with some salad dressing, homemade salad dressing. Mm-hmm. and use it in place of kale or whatever you're going to use in your salad. Okay, so this is amazing. You two have created our festival. You know what? You, I don't think, told me who the headliner is this year. Keeping in line with the uh, great headliners that we brought in the past, like Eduardo Jordan and Tony Tipton Martin and the Gala Diva, we are bringing in Gabrielle Etienne Carter. Now, some of you may have seen her on the recent Netflix series, High on the Hog. She's from North Carolina. She's a food um, preservationist, um, culturalist, and she specializes in making these community meals. So we're excited to have her come aboard and be a part of our Callers After Dark and the Next Day Festival. So, yeah, don't miss it. That is very exciting. Um, High on the Hog on Netflix was such a great series. I mean, the history, the information, the cinematography, it's just a beautiful, beautiful series. It'll make you hungry. It'll make you laugh and cry. So good. So if you haven't seen that, I would recommend watching that before you attend the festival. It just gets bigger and better every year. And this is only the fifth year. I mean, you two really should just hold your heads up so high. I thank you for doing this for the community. It's so much fun. It's educational. It's healthy. It's a diverse crowd. It's just one of my favorite events of the season. So Boiselle and Samantha, thank you so much for your time because I know you're both super busy too. Thank you, Dolly. We appreciate your support as well. Boiselle Hosey and Samantha Harris are co-founders of the Tampa Bay Collard Green Festival. This year's event will take place on Saturday, February 19th at the Carter G. Woodson African American Museum in St. Petersburg and on the surrounding streets. You can hear interviews with previous Collard Green Festival headliners Tony Tipton Martin and Eduardo Jordan, both James Beard Award winners, by the way. We got to chat with them in past seasons of The Zest, so just head to our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Delia Colon. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. This week, we had help from Chandler Balcom, Mark Hayes, and Hannah Abdel-Majid. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2022.